Countdown for blast-off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to episode 16 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. Following last week's podcast, which highlighted Bold Venture, we have another success from radio packager and syndicator Frederick W. Ziv. It's the awe-inspiring I Was a Communist for the FBI. Which was based on the real-life exploits of Matt Savetic, who, for nine years, had infiltrated the American Communist Party in the Pittsburgh area. As an undercover informant working for the FBI, Savetic convinced the Communist Party that he was one of them but was actually reporting back to our government on the party's nefarious activities. In April of 1942, the FBI approached Savetic, a civilian, and offered him the opportunity to penetrate the Pittsburgh branch of the CPUSA. Savetic was granted membership in 1943 and began reporting back to the FBI on his findings, which included 20,000 typewritten pages with 30,000 exhibits, letters, party propaganda pamphlets, and other publications. Savetic was so convincing that his family and friends thought he was an actual member of the Communist Party and despised him for it. In 1950, he became famous for his efforts to thwart the communist threat when he went public and testified before the House Un-American Activities Committee. After that, Savetic published his exploits, as told to writer Pete Martin, in a serial format of articles titled I Posed as a Communist for the FBI, published in the Saturday Evening Post during the summer of 1950. The articles sparked the public's interest in Savetic, resulting in Warner Brothers purchasing the rights to the Post story and producing a motion picture. The film was released in May of 1951, titled I Was a Communist for the FBI. It starred Frank Lovejoy and featured Dorothy Hart and Philip Carey in supporting roles. It was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary in 1952, and became a box office success. Enter Frederick W. Ziv, one of the major players in the radio transcription industry. Ever aware of current social and political issues of the country, Ziv saw this as yet another chance to invest in radio and the American cause. The chief negotiator for the firm was Executive Vice President John L. Sin. He secured the radio rights from Savetic and also the program's title from Warner Brothers. Sin scored a coup by casting motion picture star Dana Andrews in the lead role of Matt Zvedek. It was Andrews' first and only weekly radio series. He was no stranger to the medium, however, having guest starred on several Golden Age of Radio series, including Lux Radio Theater, Suspense, and The Cavalcade of America. The news of Ziv's I Was a Communist for the FBI radio series was reported in the trades in January of 1952. With the projected launch two months later on March 30th. Lawrence Productions was tapped by Ziv to produce the series in Hollywood. The firm was led by the team of Jerome Lawrence and Robert E. Lee. In a previous collaboration with Ziv, they had produced favorite stories starring Ron 
Ronald Coleman. And with an expert sales force and full throttle, Ziv had as much pre-sale success of I Was a Communist for the FBI as he did the previous year with Bold Venture. At a hefty $12,500 cost per half-hour episode, Ziv was highly committed to the series. And also similar to Bold Venture was the open-end format of I Was a Communist for the FBI that allowed local sponsors to insert their ads. That's right, Carl, and that's why you won't hear any commercials in this recording. And now, here's Little Red Schoolhouse, the audition episode of I Was a Communist for the FBI from 1952, starring Dana Andrews. I Was a Communist for the FBI. Starring Dana Andrews and an exciting tale of danger and espionage, I Was a Communist for the FBI. You are about to hear a strange story. Names, dates, and places are, for obvious reasons, fictional. But many of these incidents are based on the actual experiences of Matt Sevetic, who for nine fantastic years lived as a communist for the FBI. Here is our star, Dana Andrews, as Matt Sevetic. You can read it in the official reports, the whole story of my life as a communist for the FBI. I was in the party. I saw it work. For nine years, I recorded the communist conspiracy against the United States from within. This is part of the story. In a moment, listen to Dana Andrews as Matt Sevetic, Undercover Man. Here is Dana Andrews as Matt Sevetic, undercover man. This story from his confidential file is marked Little Red Schoolhouse. Hey! Watch where you're walking. What are you trying to do, chum? Live dangerously? I'm sorry, mister. Yeah, I'm nuts. Excuse me, buddy, but have you got a match? Sure, yeah. Thanks. Keep them. It's a red nine today. Tomorrow's red eight. Hello, Matt. Been a long time since we've worked together. When did you get transferred from Detroit, Ed? A month ago. Oh, here comes our car. Hop him back with me. Okay, Quine, take off. Let's make it fast. You know how the party checks on my time. Well, I wish we could offer you more protection, Matt, but... I know. I'm on my own. The report... A new Soviet agent has arrived from Linyan Institute in Russia. A few picked commies have been undergoing training in propaganda and infiltration. I'm one of them. And this new Soviet agent? Is going to meet with us for briefing and assignment to some important jobs. Anything else? Meeting place is to be changed. This new Soviet agent isn't taking any chances. I don't even know his name yet. When do you meet him? Tonight, six. Better drop me off now. Mm. Any place along here. Yeah, pull it up, Quinn. Any last instructions? Yes, Matt, I want a full report by mail. Also, let me know by phone, if you can, the name of this new agent and the location of your meeting place. I'll let you know. Matt, Matt, get in quick. Uh, Sure. What's up? 
That man, walking away from the corner. He was watching us. Who is he? Vasily Konostoy, a suspected Soviet agent. He's new here. We had him in the office for a routine check. You? Ed, that makes him the boy from Linyan Institute. Yes, very possibly. He knows I'm FBI, so you'd better start praying he didn't get a good look at you with me. If he did and he recognizes you later... Spare the details. I know what'll happen. I'm in the party, remember? Whether Ed Grayson remembered or not, I did. It was the price of my life. When six o'clock came, I was picked up and driven to a small, isolated red brick house. Inside were five people, four men and a girl. Introductions told me the girl's name was Stephanie. And seating arrangements put us together in a corner. Close up, her dark loveliness was almost like a blow. Comrade Matt. Comrade Matthew. No, I like Comrade Matt better. It's hard, tough, like you. It's a tough world, Comrade Stephanie. No room for softness. We're nothing. The party and its beliefs are everything. Do you disagree with that? <laughs> of course not, Comrade Matt. It's only that being near you makes me feel like a woman. Is that so terrible? That's dangerous talk. I'd be more careful. I'm always careful. We'll talk more later. Comrades, I am Vasily Konistoy. I bring you greetings from Comrade Stein. He thanks you for your loyal work. But he also desires more work, more sacrifice, especially from you, picked comrades. You are to lead the way to revolution, the Soviet state of America. While I listened, I carefully surveyed the room, the people, until I knew I would remember every detail. Vasily Kornistoy was a big man, 6'1", maybe 2", weighed around 200, black-haired with eyes that forgot to smile when he did. Those eyes stabbed me, and I knew Kornistoy's memory was at work. When the meeting was over, he kept me for a private talk. Something to drink? No, thanks. Uh, my throat was dry. I have had the feeling all evening that we have met before, Comrade Svetik. Not that I can recall. Well, no matter. I'll remember sometime. I always do. You have a way home? There's a cab stand only a mile from here. It's a nice walk. Very well. Good night, Comrade. Good night. Comrade Matt, over here. Oh, it's you, Comrade Stephanie. Oh, this is my car. Would you ride into town with me? Oh, thanks. You drive. Nice car. Nice girl. Nice night. Quite a combination. I'm glad you like it. No, I didn't say I liked it. I said it was quite a combination. You are a heel, aren't you? But then I suppose I have been pretty obvious. You have? Wow. That's some curve. Now, with a drop-off of 100 feet, if you ever went over that embankment, it would be curtains. You should go slower. So should you. You needn't be rude, Matt. It's just that you're the first man in a long time I've been attracted to. Matt. All right, all right, comrade Matt. I know it's heresy for a party member to have feelings. 
I was hoping you might understand. Oh, take it easy, Stephanie. You're tired. You're saying things that could get you into trouble. Yeah, I guess I am tired. May I put my head on your shoulder? Sure. Thanks. Oh, that's a nice feeling. Your shoulder's strong. What I said about the combination, I mean. The car and the night and me. I like it. Do you? Excuse me. Why did you turn off the ignition? Park for a moment. Why? This is why. When I got to my hotel, dawn was breaking. Before I went to sleep, however, I made a call to a certain number and left a message for Ed Grayson to meet me that morning with a wiring crew. Five hours sleep, then I was in a clump of woods near the Little Red schoolhouse listening to Ed give orders to a half-dozen men loaded with wiring equipment. All right, men. Frederick's checked the house gas meter. No one's there now, but that doesn't mean they won't come back at any time. So do your work fast and do it good. Now get moving. The mics better be well hidden, Ed. Conestoy is sharp. And suspicious. Yeah, he'd have to tear down the walls to find these. Did he recognize you? Yes, but he can't remember where yet. Hmm. How long is he going to be here? I don't know. Long enough to give us a briefing and our assignments. Yeah, we've got a lot of tape recording. We won't miss a thing that happens. Good. I'll walk down now and grab a taxi and return to the house in the open. That way I'll be there to warn your men if Conestoy or the others show up. Yeah, smart idea. When will the wiring job be finished? Oh, six, five if it goes fast. That's running it pretty close. Meeting starts at 6.30. Well, we'll do the best we can. I returned later, and for the next four and a half hours, I played watchdog on the front porch of the Red House. From inside, I could hear the sounds of Grayson's men at work. At 5.42, the FBI men reported their job finished. They were packing up their equipment to leave by the back door. When around the curve, I saw Conestoy's car approaching. Beat it, you guys. Flash red, flash red. Well, Comrade Svechik. What are you doing here so early? I I thought I'd like to talk to you, Comrade Conestoy. Oh, let's go inside. Oh, wait. What? I mean, it's uh, so nice out here. Why don't we just stay on the porch? I can talk here. Crazy, we could be spotted out here, inside. Oh, but Carmen... You'd better keep it in mind that I give the orders. Well, I... I guess being inside is not so bad, after all. What's the matter with you? You look as if you expected to see something. What is it? I merely wanted to be sure we were alone. I have a report to make about one of our comrades. Oh, is that so? Which one? Comrade Stephanie. She... she shows definite signs of bourgeois emotionalism. Oh, I see. Then you had better watch her. Keep me informed. I will. <laughs> you really are a fanatic, aren't you, Comrade Svetik? I believe and follow the party line. Oh, don't mistake me. We need a few good fanatics. Uh, I wish I could remember where I have seen you before. It haunts me as if it's important that I should remember. <laughs> The next few days were a growing fever of tension for me. The briefing was hard and thorough. I had little time to do anything but study. 
and this was complicated by constant invitations to study with Comrade Stephanie. And always hanging over my head was the threat of Conestoy's possible remembrance of seeing me with an FBI man. Finally, the last day of the week rolled round. Tonight, comrades, you receive your assignments. You have been well trained. Now you will act on that training. We will organize infiltration of schools? That is correct. You, comrade Svetik, receive a choice plum. Do you know Bryson University? Yes, small college not far north of here. Though small Bryson is a highly respected school, an example to many other colleges. You and comrade Stephanie will see that the seeds of communism are planted there. We'll not fail, comrade Conestoy. I'm sure you won't. Comrade Svetik, about where I have seen you, Perhaps you were around my hotel for some reason? Mm, no. No. Well, don't worry. Maybe by the time you finish your assignment, I will remember. You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. Hi, Carl Amari here. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, Suspense, and Burns and Allen, consider becoming a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows in superior sound quality, along with historical liner notes and photos of their radio stars. The 10 shows I'll send you will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. Members also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. The digital links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities whenever you'd like. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, there's no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now, back to Radio Rarities. Now, back to Dana Andrews, starring as Matt Sabetic in I Was a Communist for the FBI, and the second act of our story. How long? How long did I have before the Soviet agent, Konestoy, remembered seeing me with an FBI man? The knowledge of what would happen when he did was a cold, leaden ball in my stomach. As with Comrade Stephanie, I listened to Konestoy's final instructions on our new assignment to infiltrate Bryson University. There is one professor at Bryson who will be your best asset, Comrade Svetik. A Professor Walden. Is he a fellow traveler? A very reluctant one. You will have to play down everything except how communism will save the oppressed from the tyranny of fascism. Walden is fond of helping underdogs. Well, uh, can you get us a big name, Comrade Conestoy, someone to lecture the students? I will send a wire tonight to Philip Stanley. The singer? Yes. He has a big reputation. The kids will listen to him even if he is a pinko chump. Will he come? He'll come. He's a thoroughgoing exhibitionist. Now, here is some expense money. Comrade Stephanie? Yes? 
I'm sending you with Comrade Svetik for only one reason. So you can have the opportunity to get your thinking straight by watching his. Well, I don't... I don't understand you. He is an exemplary party worker. If you are wise, when you come back, you will be too. That's all. Good night. Good night, Comrade Conestoy. Good night, Comrade. Oh, Comrade Svetik. Yes? I just remembered where I saw you. Where? At the meeting of the control commission, the first day I arrived back here from the Lenin Institute. Oh, no, I, I wasn't at that meeting. <laughs> oh, I swear I had better remember it soon or it will be the death of me. Bryson University, the usual ivid buildings and rolling green campus littered with students. Professor Walden turned out to be a thin, white-haired man with bent, iron-rimmed spectacles. His office was a six-foot square of stale air wrapped around a battered desk and a stack of papers. Uh, your coming to see me like this has posed quite a moral problem, Mr. Sovetic. Yes, indeed, uh, quite a problem. You see, I am not sure I am in complete sympathy with communist teachings. Oh, of course, but we're not here to ask you to become a communist, Professor. We merely ask you to work with us in bringing relief to the unfortunates of the world. Oh? Well, in that case, I... What can I do to help? Two things. Give us a list of students you believe to be in sympathy with our cause. And the others? We're going to organize a, a lecture. Philip Stanley, the famous singer, is flying all the way out here to address the students. It would be nice if you could act as master of ceremonies and introduce him. Oh, why, of course. I'll be delighted. Philip Stanley, indeed. <laughs> Professor Walden gave us a list of a dozen names, and we went right to work on it. Heading the list was a boy named Roger Vanning. We found him in the Student Union, a hodgepodge of noise and smoke which figures as the social center of any college. My goodness, Matt, this is like Mardi Gras. We'll never find him in all this mess. Sure we will, but keep moving or you'll be crushed. Wow! Hey, fellas, get a load of this one. She's real great all the way. Looks like you've made a hit, Stephanie. Ask him if he knows Vanning. All right. Uh, excuse me, but do you know where I can find Roger Vanning? Yeah, yonder's him. Oh. Well, why not take a seat here, Dolly? For you, I'd go on the hook. That'll do, Junior. Don't tense, Dad. I ain't cruising for bruising. Come on, Stephanie. That Roger Vanning looks like a kid who can vote. You'd better handle him alone. I'll try the next one on our list, uh, Grace Brockett. Meet you out front later. So you see, Miss Brockett, it's up to the intelligentsia, like yourself, to lead the others. I understand perfectly, Mr. Sovetic. And I can promise you at least 20 students for the meeting. Good. Philip Stanley will know of your work, I can assure you. He will? I mean, of course, that I'm naturally quite pleased to be connected with Mr. Stanley in such a worthy cause. You may tell him he can depend upon Grace Brockett. Sure, I'll tell him. <laughs> Four days of work, and we had nearly 200 students lined up for our demonstration. I hired a hall near the campus, decorated it with the usual banners and slogans. During last-minute preparations, my mind was on Conestoy. Would he have remembered yet? Perhaps he had, and even now the goon squad was on its way. Oh, me, 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 me. Oh, these are terrible acoustics, Vedic. Perfectly awful. Really shouldn't sing at all in a barn like this. 
After all, you know, these boys and girls are my public. They deserve to hear me at my best. Oh, absolutely, Mr. Stanley. However, just being able to see you in person and hear your words of truth will inspire these young people to magnificent heights. They'll recognize you as something far greater than a singing star. Greater than a star? Of course. You'll be known as a social leader, a man destined to sway multitudes toward the goal of true socialistic society. Well, I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, excuse me, Svetik. I think I'll go run over this speech you prepared for me. Mm, better practice it, knucklehead. I hope I can keep my dinner when I hear it. Oh, Matt, come here a minute, would you? Sure. What is it, Stephanie? Well, I just wanted to check plans with you. Okay. After his song, Stanley will give his talk. And at the end, when he starts the International, you give Grace Sprocket and the other agitators the signal to jump up and begin a community sing out of it. And when the crowd's good and excited, Sprocket and company lead them off for a demonstration on faculty row, right? Mm -hmm. And be sure the placards and signs are ready for them to pick up on the way out. Come on, let's get this thing rolling. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of Bryson, this evening marks the beginning of a new movement here in Bryson. A movement that will excite you as it has excited me. Tonight, we are striking a blow against oppression. All my beloved friends, here at Bryson, I want to thank you for your wonderful reception of my humble talent and words. In closing this meeting, I can only think of the words of a song dear to my heart and dear to the hearts of all who have compassion for the more unfortunate of this earth. Sing it with me. The words are on the sheets of paper you found in your seats. That's it. The International. Sing it with me. Arise, ye victims of privation. Rise up, all ye who are for law. Sing it, Uncle. Sing it. Sing it loud. And to degradation. For a new world being born. Everything went off like clockwork. Excited by the speeches and music, and led by the screaming Grace Sprocket and her cohorts, the thoughtless kids eagerly snatched up the waiting placards and signs to start the demonstration on the campus. For an hour, Stephanie and I watched from the background as the shouting, chanting students paraded on faculty row. Not a very pretty sight, Matt. Are you crazy? It's exactly what we wanted. There'll be a riot for sure. Right. That's why I called him. Come on, Stephanie. Our work here is done. Here we are, Stephanie. Back at the little red schoolhouse. Come on. Conestoy's waiting for us. Let him wait for a minute. I'm sick of it, Matt. I'm sick of the rottenness of the lying and cheating... Let's quit the party, you and I. We could go away together. What? Well, you must be out of your stupid mind talking to me this way. Well, what are, what are you going to do? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to report you. The party has ways of dealing with treason. Oh, no, no, please don't turn me in, Matt. I'm sorry. It's too late. Get inside. I heard the report on the radio. You did a good job, comrades. What's the trouble? You look angry. I am angry. This traitor just tried to make me quit the party. Oh, did she? 
<laughs> I told you, Comrade Stephanie. Comrade Svetik is as solid as the Kremlin. He sure is. Wait. Wait a minute. You mean I was just being tested? Testing high-ranking party members is my job, Comrade Svetik. I'm an agent of the MVD. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll have to get back to town and file my report. Tested. After all my years in the party. Happens to all of us. Oh, oh, yes. I have something for you. A reward. Here in this drawer. Reward? This. Put up your hands. A gun? What's this all about? I don't understand. FBI agent. That's where I saw you. You were talking to an FBI man. I told you I would remember. Oh, now, now look, I, I can explain that. Get this fellow just... car, you dirty stool pigeon. Move! What do you plan to do? Do you mind telling me? <laughs> yes, I will be glad to. I want you to have time to be afraid. We are going to arrange a little suicide. Your suicide. <laughs> My only hope was the FBI surveillance. Conestoy and I were at his car when the FBI men moved in on the run, Ed Grayson leading. Conestoy opened the car door just as Grayson squeezed a shot over our heads. Down, Matt, down! I hit the dirt in that precious second when Conestoy's attention was distracted by Grayson. Then Conestoy made his break. Stop! Conestoy, stop! All right, then, get him! <laughs> FBI fire laced the night with red as it went over me, but Conestoy had a good start. He was getting away when he hit that bad curve, doing 70. Then there was nothing on earth that could save him as his car skidded over the steep embankment. No use calling an ambulance. Conestoy's dead. Better clear out, fellas, and let the police handle this as an accident. I'll stick around and square it with them. See you later, Grayson. It's a tough way to go. Lucky for you, though, Matt. You're free to keep on with your work. Yeah, he was the only one who knew. Well, I'd better get out of here. I think I'll walk up and take a last look at the Little Red Schoolhouse. No, it wasn't the end of a story, nor the beginning. It was just a part of the strange war I was fighting. Freedom's a good cause. It made me feel contented, even though I knew that until the war was won, I'd always be a man who walked alone. Our star, Dana Andrews, will return in a moment. This is Dana Andrews. Many of these stories we bring you are based on actual events and happenings that took place here, in this country, in the real-life experiences of Matt Svetik. Our country, America, must be kept a strong nation. And we who love this country must be constantly on guard against the traitors who bore from within. 
For this reason, I urge you to listen again next week when we will dramatize another exciting adventure from Matt Svedek's official records. We hope you will join us. Carl, the chances Matt Svedek took with his life. And that he was able to stay the course as a counter-spy, keeping it all a secret from his family and friends for nine years. Quite a feat. As we heard, Dana Andrews starred in the lead role as Svedek. And Truman Bradley was the announcer, but there were no additional credits for cast or crew. But our Crackerjack team here at Radio Rarities can report that Olin Soule played Ed Grayson in this episode, and Betty Lou Gearson was Comrade Stephanie. Also, Jack Crucian portrayed the newly arrived head communist agent. From Bold Venture, Ziv retained for I Was a Communist for the FBI both Henry Hayward as director and David Rose as the music composer and conductor. One of the writers of the series was Milton Geiger. He had an impressive resume in radio with Columbia Workshop, Screen Directors Playhouse, The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, and Hollywood Star Time, among many others. The initial 52 episodes of I Was a Communist for the FBI were such a success that an additional 26 were recorded, which resulted in a grand total of 78. Local sponsors in the various markets coast to coast signed up for the show, including banks, utilities, bakeries, and steel manufacturers. The show was also brought to you by local chambers of commerce, veterans groups, and unions, which pushed the public service angle. Ziv and the series also received favorable publicity when an essay contest was promoted with the cooperation of the disabled American veterans. It was open to all students of elementary to high school age who wrote on what the American flag means to me. The radio series continued to be offered throughout the 1950s via transcribed syndication and today remains a time capsule of the McCarthy era and American society during the Second Red Scare. There was talk of a television series, but Svetik became uncooperative and that project was shelved. However, in 1953, Ziv was able to successfully negotiate with another former FBI operative, Herbert Philbrick. He was an ad agency executive residing in the Boston area. Richard Carlson starred as Philbrick in the television series titled I Led Three Lives, which was based on Philbrick's previously published book of the same title. Over a three-year period, 117 episodes of this intriguing television series were filmed. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Costella is our executive producer. And the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week, we switch to comedy with the life of Riley, so don't miss it. Thanks for listening. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. 
Hey everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.